The last time I spoke, I uh, started into the topic of uh, what is a true Christian, what is true Christian conversion, and uh, I didn't get all the way through it. But it's it's interesting that uh, last week Darrell covered some of the problems occurring in the world, and I told him later, I said, I look out there and I can see the clouds forming. And it's what's really interesting is that how much the country is going downhill. We watched last night a little bit of, of uh, Bill O'Reilly's uh, killing Jesus. I, I watched about ten minutes of it. I couldn't watch anymore. Too much false stuff in it. I mean, they had some good ideas, but there was a lot of stuff that's not not true. We live in a world today where uh, people call themselves Christians and they, they believe that they've been converted. And then I got to thinking back of of uh, what I've been reading in Job. You know, Job had his three friends, and his three friends was pointing out every mistake that he made. It didn't make any difference what it was. He, he would come back and say, well, you know, I believe God, I do God's way and all, and everything, and his friends kept pointing out, you make this mistake, you make this mistake, you make this mistake, you know, you just are not a God-fearing person. Well, that, that went all the way down to the end of Job. And God began to speak to Job. And what Job concluded with was, I've heard of you by the hearing of the ears. How many in the in this country, in the world, in the church, can actually say, I've heard of God by the hearing of the ears, but do we really know him? And Job, it took God putting his finger in Job's nose to say, this is who I am. This is what I have done. And Job finally had to admit now I know you. And I look back in my life when I came up, I grew up in the Methodist church. I said I was a Christian. I was converted from one way or another. But I've come to the point in my life to see that I'm really coming to really know God. Because I didn't know him before. And so many people in this country just don't know God. We think we do. And what's interesting is that in the Church of God, when I grew up in, when I was surprised in 95, 94, and 95, to see so many people who I felt were really converted Christians walk away. And I had to say, were they really converted. They heard of God by the hearing of the ears, by going to church, wherever they go, but they really don't know God. So in the the aspect of trying to show conversion, I thought out last week of how, I mean last three weeks, four weeks, five weeks ago, whatever, anyway, that conversion happens Instantly, I brought out how with Paul, who was on his way to Damascus, and um, what happened. When God called him, he was converted, but he wasn't a truly, completely converted Christian at the time. But he was converted. He was changed from being a Pharisee to on the road to being a Christian. But he wasn't all the way there. I showed my case of being out there in the desert, uh, desert out there, Holloman Air Force Base, New Mexico. It's desert. And one Sunday I heard a calling, I heard Herbert Armstrong. At that time I was not even caring about going to church at any place. But I heard a man say on the radio, don't believe me, believe your Bible. And that put an interest in my mind and I began to listen more and more and I realized 
I really didn't know God. But I began to grow that way. So I was pointing out how we are instantly brought, but we are not total Christians when we're first brought. It's a process of growing. So today I want to go into a real Christian convert has two conditions that he has to, he has to, or she has to do. A converted Christian's got two conditions, something that you as a person have to do. But even when you do that, doesn't make you a Christian. It just makes you work toward doing that. That's repentance and faith. Well, you know, when I think of faith, I think of Hebrews 11 and the people that are there and repentance. So repentance and faith doesn't make you a converted Christian. It just doesn't do it. What makes you a converted Christian? What makes you a Christian, a converted Christian, is God's Holy Spirit. Yes, you have to have faith. Yes, you have to repent. You have to look at who you are. But you have to have God's Spirit. In Acts 2.38, the Apostle Paul was speaking as a conversion, a converted Christian at that time, one who had been with Christ for three and a half years. The man who said, I'm with you, Christ, you know, it's you and me, we're together, you know, you can't get, we're, we're as close as you can ever get. But Christ told him he would deny him three times before the day was before the morning came, and he fled. He denied him three times. Now, Paul, a man who was with him, hand in hand, so he he was converting and changing. But Peter gave a, a very inspired sermon to the people at the time. And he says in Acts 2.38, Repent and be baptized. So the two conditions, having faith, repenting of who you are, and then be baptized. But notice, he goes on, And every one of you be repent and be baptized into the name of Jesus Christ, or Emmanuel, for the remission of sins. And what is sin? John tells us that sin is the breaking or going contrary to the laws of God. That's what sin is. So here Peter, speaking to the crowds, speaking to the people, said you have to repent, be baptized. And many of those people said we were baptized by John. But that wasn't enough. Repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. And then he quotes, And you shall, after that, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It is a gift from God. It is God's power into your body, into your mind, meeting with the Spirit in man. So you have to have God's Spirit uh, Peter was saying. So it's, it is God, he's saying right here, that makes you a Christian. Yes, you have to have faith. As I pointed out there in Hebrews 11, you can go back and read through that. And when I think of faith, I think of, of Daniel. Daniel had a lot of faith, didn't he? When he knew that he would be killed if he kept seeking God's help, what did he do? He kept seeking God's help. How about Hananiah, Michelle, or Azariah, we know as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Did they have faith? And surely they did because they said, it don't make any difference whether 
you throw us in the fire or not, we are not going to change and give up our life with Christ. So, repentance becomes one aspect of it, faith and repentance. Mr. Armstrong required, uh, quoted, I'm going to quote him, he said to repent, a condition for repenting of conditions of becoming a Christian, to repent is to make an unconditional surrender to God to obey his laws. Unconditional. You don't have, well, my job might be more important. You won't have uh, my family, or I'm going to die if I don't bow down to some idol, or if I, I will die, I'll lose my job, I'll lose this, whatever. No, it's unconditional. You can't put a, anything in front of God. So repentance then becomes one of the dire conditions of becoming a Christian. But again, just because you repent, just because you believe God, will not make you a Christian. You have to receive God's Spirit. And all of us sat down there and we said, my wife and I discussed a little bit this morning, and when we were baptized, the question was asked, do you accept Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, as your Savior? Will you, you know, like it's a marriage ceremony, will you stay with him for the rest of your life? Or will you have a condition in there? No, you don't have no conditions. Go to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21. Here, Christ is speaking. He said, Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. A condition. You repent, but you also have to do God's will. You can't change. Many will say, and think of this, think of those people that you, if you've been in the church a long time, as I have, think of this, many will say to me in that day, when Christ comes, it's time to be a part of the bride of Christ. Many will say in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? And in your name have cast out devils, devils, and in your name have done many wonderful works? I've attended church every year. Every Sabbath. I haven't missed one Sabbath. I serve here and there. I have uh, my family. I, you know, I've done all these things. But he said, I don't know you. And he will, and then will, I profess, Christ says unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me that work iniquity. It's requiring us to say, I have unconditionally given my life to Christ. No changes. It doesn't make any difference. I'm not going to stop. And even if you just attend church, he's saying, unless you have God's Spirit which convicts you, you're not a Christian. You're just not a Christian. In Philippians chapter 3, Philippians 3, verse 8, Yes, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. Is that your attitude? Is that my attitude? Is that the attitude of the church? that we count everything else as nothing except the knowledge of Christ, of whom I suffer the loss of all things, and do count them but done, that I may win Christ. That's the attitude of a repentance that is so important to me 
to give up everything to be able to be taught of what Christ is doing, what he wants done. I have to surrender everything of my life. In Romans 3.23 we hear that he tells us what sin is. He says, not what sin is, but how what we are. He says, we all have sinned. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and come short of God's glory. So what do we repent of? Do we repent of not going to services? Do we repent of not uh, loving our neighbor? Do we repent of finding fault with somebody else? No. So that's kind of hard because we haven't come to the point to look and say, I have sinned. I am a sinner. In Philippians, we're told, Philippians 2, back on verse 2, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, Emmanuel. What is Christ's mind? That's something we have to think about. Because we have to have the same mind as Christ. Christ didn't think it was wrong to say, hey, I'm God. Romans uh, 8 tells us that you are sons of God if God's Spirit's in you. So if we're to have Christ's mind, then we have to ask, what is Christ's mind? What is the mind of Christ? John 5.30 John chapter 5 verse 30 says, I can of my own self do nothing. I have to ask myself this. Is that true? Well, I can do all things. I can do this, this, and this. But Christ said, speaking spiritually, I of my own self can do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not my will, but the will of the Father which sent me. So if we're making judgment calls on each other, is it God's will? Is it the judgment God would make? Or is it my judgment? I told Daryl the other day, um, to me, what happens when I see people look down on me, I find out that What's happening is, I don't do things the way other people do them. So consequently, whatever I do isn't right. And that's not right, is it? It's not my will that is right. It's, do I do it the way God wants it done? Or do I do it the way I want it done? So do I find fault with you? Because... You don't do things the way I would do them? Well, I understand that there's a lot of things I can't do. I can't read very good. And most of you read very well. I can't have babies, and that's good. And I have a hard time cooking, so I let my wife do all that. And she cooks great. But do I judge her because her cooking might burn one time? She makes a mistake? No. Because that's not right. That's not what God would want. God wants me to love you from my heart. Wholeheartedly. That's this repentance without conditions. To have so much love for other people that you cry when they make a mistake. That's not what Christ did. That wasn't Christ's mind. Sometimes we take and judge Christ's mind by saying in Matthew 18, if a man offends me, then I go jump on him with two feet. I find his faults and I come up and said, you have really done it wrong. But Christ would come and have you with love in your heart say, we have a difficulty. Is there some way that I can make the change in my life so that we can get along? Do I love you enough that I would give my life for you? So as I watched 
some of this passion of Christ or uh, this other thing, killing Christ. Do I have that kind of love that Christ had? His love was, I will die for you. He, he was that converted that you and I and, and all humanity is important to him. He became the sacrifice. So Christ's mind is, he does the will of the Father. Again in John 8, 28. John 8, 28. And then Jesus said unto the people, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, and what's happening that they feel that today represents, or tomorrow rather, will be uh, three days and three nights from Friday to Sunday morning. I haven't figured that one out yet. But they figure that when Christ is lifted up, then shall you know that I am he and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father has taught me, I speak these things. That's the mind we should have. As we are taught God's word, that's what we should speak. That's where we should go. That's the things that you and I should do, to have that same mind that Christ had. Turn to First Peter. First Peter chapter 3, verse 8. First Peter 3, 8. Finally, be you all of one mind, having compassion one for another. Love as brothers and brethren. Be pitiful, be courageous, count, count, countless. See, I stumbled on those things too. So here we are to have the same mind. Does the church of God have the same mind today? Do we have the same mind here in this little group? Because that's what Christ wants. He inspired Peter to say, have the same mind. You know, we live on a piece of property that uh, my next to youngest daughter said they're starting to do in Florida, and that is land share. So to have the same mind, if we understand that we are land sharing, that we all own the land, we just share it. We don't own it individually. It's just shared property. And so we should do the best we can in God's way, but have that same mindset that Christ had, to have that kind of love one for another, not rendering evil to evil. How often we've heard that? Finding fault with somebody else? And here, Christ says we shouldn't render evil for evil. Or railing for railing. We know Christ, even though they beat him, he never sinned. That movie, little bit I watched, portrayed Christ as not really totally having everything together. And that's not my Christ, not my God. He was full of love and compassion for everybody. And even though they accused him falsely, lied, and beat him, and killed him, he never brought a railing accusation, did he? He just asked God to forgive them because they really didn't know what they were doing. It was all ahead of time planned. But counterwise, blessing, knowing that you are thereunto called that you should inherit a blessing. So if we love each other, we're going to be blessed. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking, uh, speaking no guile. That's a great challenge. That's what we should be repenting of. That's an area in my life I sat there this morning in praying and saying, God, I understand that's something I need to work on. I need not to find fault with other people. 
because somebody looks down on me or accuses me of the wrong thing, should I find fault with them? No. Let him eschew evil, just like Job. You know, God said to Satan, do you notice my servant Job? God knew how Job was. He knew his whole attitude and everything. Satan didn't. He said, Job, you see, Job, he doesn't, he hates evil. doesn't live with it. So here we're told that a converted Christian, one who's repenting, must hate evil and do good. Uh, so if you hate evil, the other side is doing good. And let him seek peace and ensure it. For the eyes of the eternal are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. So if you're doing right, God says, I'm listening. But on the other hand, the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. So I have to say to myself, uh, wait a minute, what are you doing? Am I asking for help for me and finding fault with another person? Is God going to listen to me? He ain't going to listen to me. But he will listen when I try to change. And, and I need your help. Yeah, I need to change things that I do. I'm not really as good as I might think I might be. And who is it? Or who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? But, and if you suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are you, and be not afraid of the terror, neither be troubled. If what you're doing is right, you know, you can say, I'm sorry. Uh, people can look down on you and hate you, but God remembers. He keeps a record of who you are and what you do. So here we find that we need to have that very mind of Christ. and be, Our lives have to live just like Christ lived his. He tells us in Amos, can two walk together if, unless they agree? So how do, we, how do we live as brothers and sisters, as a family, if we don't agree with each other? I can remember the Church of God back in the 60s, a little bit of the 70s. We, we prospered. We grew. But once we began to disagree, we started coming apart. What's happening in the, church, in the nation today? In the Second World War, when the, even though it may be the, the elite, the people who are in charge, caused a lot of the war, the people who were just the average person in this country pulled together and we were strong. They couldn't break us apart. When the church of God became factioned, we had this group and this group and somebody pulling here and there, what happened to the church? It broke apart. What's happening in the nation today? We're finding every possible thing to cause division in this country. Every little tiny thing. It doesn't make any difference what it is. If you're a Christian, you're wrong. If you're a male, you're right. If you're a female, you're wrong. You know, that just causes division. So it doesn't make any difference what it is. They're finding other things, whatever it can be, to break this country apart. So can this country continue? No, because we don't walk together. What about the church of God today? We don't agree inside the church of God. We have, what, four or five hundred different groups and one group is better than the other group? Is that agreeing? That somehow, 
hopefully not too long from now, we're going to start agreeing again and walking together. And many things are going to happen. And it's going to be the building of the temple. It's going to be love like we hadn't seen it before, better than the 60s when I remember it. Even in this little group here, can we walk together if we don't agree? Will we not have problems? Is that the mind of Christ that we find fault with other people? No, that's not the mind of Christ. And Christ wants us to have his mind and do things his way. Turn over to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Therefore, or there is therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ Emmanuel, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. There won't be a, a problem if our whole attitude is, I've repented, I have no conditions. There is no conditions to cause me to change. So he said, if we walk after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit is life in Christ. Has made me free from the law of sin and death. As long as we have said, I have no condition, I'm going to have life. I'm not going to change. I'm not going to fall flat. I'm not going to cause others to fall flat. For what the law counts, uh, what, for what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sent his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. So that's the mind of Christ. Walking in God's way and condemning sin because you're going to be an upright individual. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So I said, hey, I want to make changes in my life. I was baptized and said, yes, I will change. And I look in my life and I fall, feel I fell flat too many times. But God has made a way out of that too. So here we are in the church wanting to walk after Christ, but are we walking after Christ? For to be carnally minded is death. And think about that. And you know, sometimes that's hard. To be carnally minded, to be human minded, to to want to take care of me and everything that's good for me becomes carnally minded. Christ didn't think that. He gave up everything for you and for me and for the world. For the person we think who is the least possible, he gave his life. For the one we think is the most greatest, he gave his life. He gave his life for everybody. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh. Listen to that. You're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be, the Spirit of God dwells in you. So, what did I say? You can't be a Christian unless you what? Have God's Spirit dwelling in you. So you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if God's Spirit dwells in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So he's saying, if you don't have Christ's Spirit, if you're not walking the way Christ walked, if you're not walking hand in hand with Christ, and in Matthew 25, he says... The way you treat each other is the way you treat me. So if we treat each other rotten, then we're not hand in hand with Christ. That's the bottom line of it.
in Romans 13, verse 8. Romans 13, 8. Well, let me go back first before I do that. Just go to Psalm 1. Cover Psalm 1. The book of Psalms, chapter 1. Walking hand in hand with Christ and with each other. He says in Psalm 1, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the counsel, or, or sits in the seat of the scornful. So we want to walk with Christ. The first thing he's telling us here in Psalms is we're not to walk. We're not to be. But his delight, the one, the place to be, but the delight is in the law of the eternal. And in his law does he meditate day and night. He's thinking of God's way. And God's law is a law of love. God is love. And he shall be like a tree planted by the river of water. That brings forth fruit in its season. His leaves shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. What is your life like? Are you prospering? Spiritually prospering? The ungodly are not, are not so, but are like the chaff which is, which the wind drives away. So, are we sticking with Christ? Are we walking hand in hand with Christ? Are we walking hand in hand with Christ's children, with each other? We've said, hey, I want to see what I've got to repent of. Well, it means that I've got to start looking into my own life in the way I live and see what I have to repent of. Therefore, the ungodly, the ungodly, shall not stand in the judgment. We're going to come to a time when Christ returns, and are we going to stand? Will we be part of those that are taken for the bride of Christ, nor sit in the congregation of the righteous? The ungodly are not going to be there. For the Lord knows the ways of the righteous. But the ways of the ungodly will perish. So think of repentance. I, what have I got to change in my life? Am I with Christ or am I someplace else? Now to Romans chapter 13. Verse 8. Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loves another has fulfilled the law. So, I look at my life and say, do I love other people? Or is there somebody, is there somebody that I find fault with? Somebody that I wouldn't go across the street to help? Or no man anything but to love one another. In the church, it should be even closer love. When we have been called and we have said, yes, I am unconditionally am changing, there is nothing that will keep me from going your way. Every time I see a fault, I'm going to change. I'm going to seek your help. Or... Is there something else that comes in play? Do I find some problem with another person? For this you shall not commit adultery, you shall not kill, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there be any other command, it is briefly uh, comprehended in the saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. This is so important. We love God, and if we're going to love God and say, hey, I really love God, but I hate my neighbor, then do you really love God? No, because again, Matthew 25 says that is not 
what's going to happen. You can't love me unless you love each other. So, if you have a problem in that area, do you sit down and say, Man, I need to make a change. Help me. Help me to make the change in my life. Love works no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. And this, know, knowing that the time, that now it's high time to wake up out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we first believed. I think back of a sermon that, um, or maybe it was a sermonette, that Paul Flatt made, one of the first ones he made in Houston. And he's standing on a stage and he said, you see this stage and how long it is to cross it? You go over here to this part of the stage about this far. And that's what we are right now. Most of this time is gone. We're in such a short time. Well, today it's even closer than that. We're only a breath away from uh, either being a bride or who knows. Only God knows the answer to the other side. We're only one breath, one heartbeat away. And anything can happen in between. In Isaiah 52.11, it says, Depart, depart you out from hence. Don't touch the unclean. Don't mingle with the things that are contrary to God. And anything that's opposite of love becomes unclean. Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. Verse 22, Paul in Ephesians 4 says that you put off concerning the former conversation of the old man. Change. This is repentance. Putting off your old way, which is correct according to the deceitfulness of lust. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So every day, we have to make a challenge. Every day, we have to turn our life around. You have to look at what I did the day before. What's going to happen today? Am I going to change? Am I going to renew my mind? And that you put on the new man, which, after God, is created in righteousness and true holiness. You're called. You have a special calling. First Corinthians uh, chapter 1 says, Do you see your calling? Have you sat down and analyzed the calling that God gave to you? That calling is to be a bride of Christ, to rule as a king or a priest in the wonderful world tomorrow. Underneath a, a Society that's not full of hate, full of distrust, of lying and cheating, but a society of love and giving and sharing and prospering. So put away lying and speak every man the truth to his neighbor. Again, repent, change. If you've done these things, if if this is part of your life, he says change unconditionally change for we are members one of another we're one family and be not angry or be you angry and sin not and let not the sun go down on your on your wrath have you ever had that opportunity where you got so upset at somebody and a week later a month later you're still upset over the same thing if you are, then have you repented? Have you changed? Verse 27 says, Don't give any opportunity. It says, Neither give place to the devil. Don't give Satan any opportunity to affect you in your life. Because Satan's out there. He's ready to take you away. 
Let not him that steals, steal no more. Again, that's talking about repentance. But rather let him labor, working with his hands the things which are good, that he may have a to give to him that's in need, being able to help somebody else. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Again, do I do these things? Do I sit down and say, let's see, maybe I've made a mistake there. Maybe I need to make a change. I said I was going to repent. I said I would take and like a marriage vow. I know when I married my wife, I said, for better, for worse. My poor wife got the worst part. <laughs> you know? How about, uh, how about with Christ? We made that commitment and said, I, I take on Christ's way and that's, that's it. There's only one way. But that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearer. So whatever we say, it should build them up. And I've seen people in times past, and many times I said, why couldn't I think of those things? Every time they talk with somebody, they're always building them up. They always look for the best in them people. So again, I think back at Job. His friends didn't look for the best in Job. They looked for the worst in Job. Am I one of Job's friends who looks for the worst in each of us? Or am I a real friend who looks for the best in the other person? Do I say things that will build them up? And give... and. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. So if I'm doing contrary to God's way, do I grieve God? These are things that I have to ask myself, and I'm pointing them out so that maybe you can ask yourself. Where you stand in relationship with Christ, because I want to have Christ's mind, and I truly in my heart want each one of us to have Christ's mind, and to walk like Christ did, whereby we are sealed unto the day of redemption. If we have Christ's mind, he's saying, we're going to make changes. We're going to turn our life around. And it won't make any difference what happens. And let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Put everything out. Get rid of it. And be you kind one to another tender-hearted, you know, not rough and gruff. I know I get that way. I get rough and gruff too often. But be tender-hearted one to another, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, forgives you. Well, you want to walk like Christ. So, it's time for us to analyze our own life. To look at the way I live. What I do. The things I've got to change in my life. Repentance is a very important part of your life. And it has to be unconditional. And you have to look at the things that you've got to change. Romans 7 Verse 14, Romans chapter 7, verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. This is Paul speaking to the people. He understood. He said, God's law is a spiritual law, a law of love. But I'm a human, and my human nature is contrary. So I'm going to sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would that I do not, but what I hate, that I do. So the things I know to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, that's what I do. And so it's a change that we have to make.
Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. So I come and understand myself that I fall short of a mark of excellence. I need to change my way. I need to change my thoughts to be like Christ. I want each and every one of us to be like those that were there in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit entered those people. They had one mind, one mindset, one way, and miracles happen. Fantastic miracles happen. People were healed, and people drew close to God, and they loved each other. Um, For I know that in me, that's in my flesh, dwells no good thing. It takes a time to sit and repent, and then to sit down and think, Meditate. I know uh, an article Gordon put on on the uh, bulletin board back there talking about getting your mind on on things that are so pressing that you can't sleep. Well, if you would sit there and meditate on God's way uh, an hour or so before time to go to bed, you wouldn't have a problem going to sleep because you would be thinking the right thoughts. And I find that sometimes I don't do that. You know, I get a call and been asleep and wake up and my mind gets so active in the wrong area, the only thing I can do is go out and sit down and take my Bible and read through the Bible and think on God's way to slow my mind down and get it off of the world. Because those are things I shouldn't do. But that's what I do. Just like Paul said, I know I shouldn't do that, but I do it. And the things I don't want to do, I do. And the things I, I should do, it's hard to do it. It's hard to change. It's hard to turn around. It's hard to sit down and say, okay, I'm going to take time and look at my life today. You know, just before going to bed, you know, just before I went to sleep. What did I do today? Who did I offend? Who did I hurt? Who did I find fault with? Uh, did I find fault with the right person? You know, number one. Did I find fault with me? Did I find fault with God? Or did I find that I have changed? I have did the best I could to help somebody else. And what about when you wake up in the morning? And you have prayer in the morning. Do you say, help me to help somebody else. Help me to see the good in somebody else. Maybe there's some one person or two persons or a group of people or family or or even the government. Do I get up in the morning and say, help me to see what good they're doing? Or do I get up and say, Let's see what these yo-yos are doing today. What they do to the rest of the people today. What What's the problem they've got? Well, if I wake up with that kind of an attitude, I'm already set to find fault with anybody that comes along. As opposed to, uh, I know that my wife and I had an argument last night, so I'm going to get up and I'm going to just do my utmost best to be good and kind to her today and find every good thing she does. And that can be anybody. I'm going to look for the most good I can do for somebody else. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil that I would not, I'm finding that I am poor Christian in them areas and I fall short. So do I say, I've got to change. I've got to turn around. So do I take time? And this is something that I think that all of us need to take time every day. When we get up in the morning, say, I'm going to find the best in this person. We, we had a run-in the other day. 
I'm going to find the best part of them. I'm going to go up there and tell them, you're really great. I know there's one person made comments about things that I do. And yet I look at that person and say, that man is has his mind right. He serves God. He does the best he can. He can do a lot of things that there's no way I can do. Stronger, smarter, bigger, younger. And I'm old. But do I look for the good in him? Yes. Yes, I try to find the good in that person. I find then the law that's in that when I would do good, evil is present. Ask yourself. You know you should be doing good. Hey, isn't it good to find some fault with somebody else? Isn't it good to retaliate? Isn't it good to say, okay, I'll fix that person today? That's generally the human mind. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warning warning me against the law of my mind and bringing me to the captivity of the law of sin, which is in my members. So, repentance then becomes an important part of our life. No, you won't be a Christian just because you repent. No, you won't be a Christian because you say, I see I'm making a mistake. I've fallen short of a mark of excellence. And I really believe that God's going to take care of and bring good to this people. And I really believe that this is the church. And I really believe that these are good people. But that's not enough. Because there's a lot of people in the world today, in this country, who believe that they are good Christians. But they don't have one basic factor that you have. One important point, one thing that you have more than they do. You have God's mind, His Spirit in you. That's what the difference is. You are having indwelling in you God's Spirit if you're willing to make a change. Yes, you have to see who you are. Like Paul said, do you see your calling? Do you have that so fixed in your mind and you sat down and really analyzed it, your calling is to be a king and a priest and a bride of Christ. And is that important enough to say, I'm going to change. And I'm not going to let something slip in between. You know how much you are changed if you can go to Galatians 5 and read the fruits of the Spirit. How many of the fruits do you have of God's Spirit? The fruits of God's Spirit is first love. Do I have God's mind? Am I walking like Christ? Do I have love? How about joy? Are you happy? Are you, you know, just elated with what God has given to us? Is it, this is the most fantastic opportunity? He's brought us to a place that we can have a family. Are we at peace? Or do we have something that's getting to us here and there? Is there something bothering me? Long-suffering. Yeah, these, I get hit on this thing and that thing and, you know, I just get tired of that. Or is it, I just keep taking it. Hey, I'm trying to change and they're changing. We're all changing. We're all turning around. And gentleness. How do we treat each other? How do we treat each other? 
Or is there something there that I've got to change? I'm gruff and I'm mean and I'm harsh to handle and deal with? Then I'm not gentle, am I? So maybe I need to repent of being harsh and learn to be sweet and kind. How about goodness? Do I do things good? Or am I pretty selfish, self-centered? And what about my faith? Do I really believe that God has brought me to this place for a purpose, and His purpose I am going to work out within me, whether I like it or not. But it's good because I believe God brought us here, opened our minds, and has given us the understanding. What about meekness? Are we meek? Are we teachable? Being meek means you're teachable. Because if you're not teachable, then you're falling short of part of that, of God. That part of God that is going to walk hand in hand with each other. Temperance. So you have a balanced approach to life. Balanced approach on your food, on your thinking, on your actions, everything. You are balanced and not over on the wrong side. He says, against such there is no law. That's because we're walking hand in hand with Christ. So how is it in our life? I want to end with a quote from Herbert Armstrong. This new convert has not received the full measure of God's Holy Spirit, which God has which Christ had. Only saying, we haven't reached that point. We haven't received the full message yet. The full spirit. He is only a spiritual babe in Christ. You know, when a woman is pregnant, she has a baby inside her. And it starts so small, microscopic. And as it grows, it develops different features. And it takes nine months, roughly, to be born. To be a true Christian, and to fully be converted. To be changed from physical to spiritual. Because we know flesh and blood cannot enter the kingdom of God. So true conversion, complete conversion, is being converted from human to spiritual being to being God. It takes time just like it does for a baby to grow. He must grow, now grow spiritually, just as a newly conceived embryo in the mother's womb must grow physically large enough to be born as a human. It takes time. And God is so patient. I have to say He's very patient with me. Very patient with us as humans. This new convert has now repented. He's looked at his life. He's turned around. In his mind, from the depths of his heart, you know, he's looked at his life, this newly converted person, or changing changing person, new convert, being converted, has, with his whole heart, his whole mind, his whole attitude, he's changing. He means to it. He means it to. In all sincerity, in his mind and heart, he has turned around to go another way, a way to live. This is a true convert. Convert. He is now a Christian. He has received God's Holy Spirit. In other words, just because you repent, and just because you have faith, and just because you are baptized, because if you remember, many people said they were baptized by John's baptism, but they were not baptized and received the Holy Spirit. So you must not only be baptized and repented and saying, yes, 
and committed, made that commitment, I will change unconditionally. And then, through the laying on of hands, you receive God's Spirit. Now, you're on the road to conversion. He has been converted, and he is a Christian. He really wants to do what's right, to obey God, to live God's way. Think of that. As a true converted Christian, you have to have inside you God's Spirit. And you have to look at your life and make the change. So go back and read Galatians 5. Ask yourself, do I need to repent? What do I need to repent of? You can read the first part of being human. Or, what do I lack of being God? We have a tremendous, fantastic calling. A fantastic opportunity. And if you want to really think about it as we go toward Passover, think of what our Savior went through for us. He really repented of my sins because he sacrificed his life for me. When he was on that stake, he had he was alone because he had all of mankind's sins on him. Am I willing to say, thank you. I am going to change.